When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the Winning Plays Podcast with Brian, Rob, and Michael Pina. I'm Rich Levine. Guys, it is Friday morning. We have a lot to talk about on today's show. Uh, To start, we're going to talk a little bit about Kobe Bryant, uh, share some memories, and uh, just a little bit of tribute to... uh, NBA legend who uh, fits. It's a t- it's tough. We're gonna get to it. Uh, we're also gonna get to Jason Tatum in his first All Star appearance. Gonna congratulate Jason on that, and also maybe talk a little bit about the Celtics, who uh, have won five of six games now. Have a big matchup this weekend with the Philadelphia 76ers. ers uh, But first, as always, please subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. Uh, follow us on Twitter it's at Winning Plays Pod. Shout out to CLNS Media. Shout out to BetOnline.ag. And guys, uh, you know, B-Rob, you and I got together a little bit earlier this week to talk about the Celtics uh, Heat game, and we, we teased this kind of Kobe tribute uh, later in the week, and here it is. And, uh, you know, it's almost been a week. It, it's, it's not much easier to, to talk about. I mean, Mike, you and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. Um, still, it's a situation where you can kind of kind of forget every once in a while that, that, that it happened, and then it kind of sneaks up on you, and it's like, oh, shit, like, it just, just takes the wind out of your sail, and uh, can leave you can leave you down for a few minutes. But how, how are you guys doing, Pina? How are you How are you feeling? Uh, better, I would say. From Sunday up until uh, a couple nights ago, I went to the uh, Nets Pistons game, and that kind of put me into a more regular, more regular way of life. I guess, for lack of a better phrase, just like the. Days before that, it was just kind of holed up in my apartment and not realizing what was going on. Like, I couldn't really process the magnitude, and you're just kind of, like, listening to podcasts about him and reading all these wonderful tribute pieces from really great writers and realizing that he maybe is a part of more basketball memories, like, than any other player for me personally. And uh, I can't even remember... Uh, a time in my life when he wasn't a part of it, uh, which is kind of crazy. Uh, even, in, so, even in retirement. Even was, in retirement, He was yeah. around more than, than most of the guys there still playing, it felt like. Yeah, and uh, I covered the his final season, which, uh, so I was kind of up close for that, and in the moment, I, you know, I was going back and reading some of the pieces that I wrote that season, and a lot of them are pretty pretty critical just because uh you know it was the worst season in lakers history and it was this uh basically a ceremonial tribute to kobe in real time uh and uh so it was i was up close for that and um you know i i i I, you know even trying to remember the the moments where i actually was able to interact with him which were surreal at the time um uh, it's just it's really really sad and and uh, difficult to come to terms with. Uh, B Rob, you were at the Garden last night when they did their was it like a four minute tribute video? Just how was that? And what was kind of like the mood in the building? Yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it was incredibly well done. 
tribute by the Celtics, you know, top on down. They kind of foregoed um, just usual introductions, starting lineups, all that, you know, glitzy stuff for the games and did a moment of silence for him. And then um, they played a video just kind of chronicling Kobe's life, his daughter, and then like his connection to Boston really uh, over the years with some, some great clips and, and kind of ending it, the video, which was done uh, well by a guy I know well, Steve Gatson, shout out to him uh, for the Celtics. Uh, just the, when Kobe was introduced that final time at the garden, I think we were three or four years ago and how, you know, he kind of just got a standing ovation from the crowd, at the, you know, for a storied rival, which kind of just, and that just kind of set the tone for, you know, just the, I think the amount of respect that everyone here in Boston had for him as a player, you know, through all those battles and uh, just the impact he obviously he's made. And it was, I mean, I think the whole arena was just, you know, it was, I can't imagine. I mean, that's, this was five days after obviously the tragedy happened, Rich, but it was, it was just felt very rock. It, I feel like it probably was pretty tough for even players to kind of play after like that. I can't even imagine what it's going to be like for the first like Lakers home game after they, you know, do what they attribute for him there. Yeah, and it is it is a little it's interesting that they have that they haven't had that first Lakers home game yet. And it, we're doing this on Friday morning and I think it's the Blazers. Is that yeah, right, Yeah, that's Pina? tonight. Yeah. That and and I think and and we talked about like what's it like I'm living out here in Los Angeles and what's it what it's like here and and you know from the Lakers uh, fans that I'm that I'm friendly with and just kind of walking around, it seems like everyone is sort of in a little bit in that that disbelief uh state still, you know? And it's because like the, the Lakers haven't played yet. It's still that little I want to say grace period, but period of mourning where people have not, not quite really dealing with it yet. And I think that Friday, you know, Friday night against Portland will be the first big step, um, sort of maybe moving forward. And and listen, th- this entire season, whether it's the Lakers, whether it's the All Star game, it's it's going to be about Kobe, and and it probably should. You know, it's it's um, you talk about the tragedy, right? It's just the the way it happened too. That's what gets you as well. You know, it just, I mean, obviously the shock, obviously the random nature of it, but just like obviously his daughter being in the helicopter too, but a helicopter crashed into a side of a cliff, you know? Yeah, it, so, uh, sudden. so sudden, so sudden. So sudden. One moment you're, you know, you're, for me, I was just like watching the movie Heat on television <laughs> and I get a text from a friend of mine who is not really a diehard NBA fan at all. He's just like, did you hear about Kobe? And I was like, so I, I, go in my head i'm like did kobe come out of retirement is that is that like what is going on here and then the next instant it's like oh like you see tmz and he's gone just like that and it's like it was just really really difficult and like it's it's funny for us i i would imagine i don't i can't speak for you guys but like when the lakers and the celtics were playing in those finals at the turn of the decade, like I hated Kobe Bryant so much. Um, yeah. I, and I, I, I've grown, I grew quickly to respect him in a lot of ways and even admire him, um, as a player and as a competitor and as an inspiration for an entire generation of NBA players who really looked up to him and thought he was their Michael Jordan. Um, and it's like, there's all the on-court moments, but I find myself thinking about, you know, like the, the Matt Barnes fake pass, fl- like the non-flinch, just all these like clips and moments of him that were just like 
legendary and that will <laughs> live on forever. And that like, was that was debunked, though. Are you familiar with that? I, I am. Yes, thank you okay. for spoiling that. But yes, I I, I know that it was debunked. <laughs> um, but there's the, the the the. Did you guys ever see the the clip where it's like Chris Rock and David Spade sitting next to him, and Chris Rock is like having this fake conversation, and then the the camera zooms out and it's just Kobe, just in a trance focused on the game not even like could have been the only single person in staples center like just these like he was just one of one i got it up right now yeah yeah it's so funny and it's just like he was one of one and uh and it's really interesting to come at it from an angle uh of a celtics fan which we all were and are to a certain degree when uh, the Lakers and the Celtics played in those finals, so it's just it's it's tough to to, to think about and reminisce. Yeah, and I'm thankful that that Celtics fans did get a chance to, and it's crazy to say this now, but to hate Kobe on that level because you know for for much of his early career, you know, in, until until that that the '08 finals, you know, it was it was almost like there was hatred, sure, because you know he, they, th- that was just the idea, but there was there was jealousy. It was mm-hmm. that the Lakers the Lakers were great, the Celtics were horrible. You know, I mean, I, there was that one run to the Eastern Conference Finals, sure, but that that didn't really feel that that no, legitimate in terms of having a chance to to win the title. So, you know, for for those first the first decade plus of Kobe's career, uh, it, it was like a jealousy hate uh, coming from Boston. But then to get a chance to actually compete against the guys, not that any of us got a chance to compete against him, <laughs> to root against him on that level with everything on the line, and then you know, to to beat them pretty pretty well in that in that 08 series and i was reading about you know game six uh, uh the clincher the celtics lakers in 08 where you know when it was a 30 point game in the fourth quarter and the celtics fans had the where's kobe chant going um you know so that that that, that was the kind of guy he was he brought that out and 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 that's and that's kind of like you talk about being in someone's head like the celtics are about to win their first title in 22 years up 30 points in the fourth quarter and celtics fans are worried about rubbing it in <laughs> to kobe you know that that that's a that that shows you the impact that that guy had. Um, that he was still what, what what Celtics fans were thinking about when all we should have been doing is celebrating the the you know the greatness of that team. And doesn't it feel like like he elevated the the stakes just by being a part of the series? Like it's amazing to win a championship regardless of who you play, but to beat him. It just like it. It was more like looking back. It was just like, wow, you beat Kobe Bryant in a championship series. That's pretty cool. And then when you you have the rematch in 2010, and it's like you're going up against this guy who's clearly been, even though they won the title in '09, it's like he clearly like this is the series he wants. And so for that to go to seven, and we don't really need to get into the conclusion of what happened, but um, that just it just elevated everything to a different level for me. B-Rob, did you see uh, what Pierce had to say about Kobe? Yeah. I mean, that was, it was honestly not surprising just how, you know, knowing Pierce's roots out there and just, you know, the battles those guys had together. But Can you guys it, share? Because I, I don't actually. Yeah, Rich, do you have it in front of you? I mean, it's, yeah, it was pretty uh, much just, go ahead. Oh, no, just, he, he, I mean, he basically just said, the that the truth wouldn't exist without Kobe because obviously that get that the nickname came from Shaq mm-hmm. um in in a game where where Pierce was was particularly awesome against the Lakers and he was just like 
I, you know, my greatness against the Lakers was was stepping up my game to play against Kobe. You know, so so if I you're talking about raising the stakes, Blank. You know, like it's like if I didn't have that 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 guy to look up to that's driving me to be better. You know, I might not have you know put put forth that performance that resulted in me being the truth. Um, so yeah, I mean, it was it was pointing. I, th- I thought I thought Paul spoke spoke better on, on that than than I've hear, I've heard him in, in a while on TV. So that that was that that was nice to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Did, did you have a particular moment? I've kind of been going, going back a few times to that, that photo from the, uh, the pre-draft workouts of Kobe and the, and the Celtics Jersey. And obviously <laughs> like, you know, uh, when you, when you look at the other, the other picks in that, in that draft that went before Kobe, I mean, Antoine Walker isn't so bad compared to like Lorenz and Wright and, uh, and Vitaly Potapenko and, and, and guys like that. It is interesting to think about what might've happened had, had, I don't know what what would happen to Kobe if the Celtics had drafted him. <laughs> <laughs> I have not uh, pondered that one. I gotta say, but uh, I would imagine like he still would have been an all time player, and you know the Celtics would not have had Shaquille O'Neal. I would assume in this alternate timeline, the Celtics so were just have... such a mess back then. Like, I wonder they if they would have screwed awful. up, screwed so it up. Terrible, yeah, so terrible. I'm, I they could have like, had him and Pierce together though. Right, exactly. When I guess, the, and then that goes to the whole like butterfly effect. But yeah, I mean that would have been insane. But they also would have been coached by Rick Pitino for, for <laughs> for a moment, right? So it's like this this Pitino trade Kobe the same way he traded Chauncey Billups Chauncey, and Ron Mercer. Yeah. Oh Jesus, yeah, this is tough. <laughs> this is tough to go back down memory lane on this particular era of Boston Celtics basketball. But, uh, but yeah, and then I guess we can you know we can start to wrap it up. Pino, I had a question for you in terms of just like writing about it, like. Such a fine line between these, you know, when we see in the media, like making it about, and, that, and that's kind of who Kobe was. It, it makes people want to talk about the effect that he had on them personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it was like, you know, Pierce is talking about, you know, I wouldn't have been the truth. I don't know if you guys saw, you know, the pregame show, um, the first one, the first TNT show, you know, when, you know, D Wade. Jack and yeah. Wade. And, yeah, that was, that was a great hour of television, I got to say. That was, and it, but it seems like a fine line, and this is what happens when there's a tragedy like this. It really makes you look inward in terms of how you deal with your own mortality, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if it could happen to Kobe Bryant, not that any of us are flying around in helicopters, but like you just never know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. I feel like it's hard like, as like, in the media when you have to sort of, you know, you're supposed to try and separate yourself from from a, from a story like this, but it's it's just increasingly difficult. Did you have any? I mean, and, and, and like you, you had the you had the the benefit of of covering that last season. So I guess you could like look back on yourself in that way, and like where you were, and you had the the, the work that you had done. But uh, I don't know. Like, I, I mean, like just think like a general critique of of the media in the aftermath. Like, did you have any thoughts of that? Yeah, that's a really good point. And I was actually appreciative of the fact that all these great writers told their own personal stories. I mean, for me, it was like therapeutic to read them. And I'm sure it was therapeutic for them to write them just their own interactions with him. The first time they met, the first time he texted out of the blue or called out of the blue or some conversation that was private or off the record up until his death that they felt they could share publicly. Um, after the crash and all that stuff I thought was great and it, it this is such a unprecedented event there's really nothing to compare it to in sports uh like Roberto Clemente Magic Johnson's HIV um 
diagnosis. It's just, it's just like this, this type of thing really never, ever happens. And this particular tragedy really, you know, happening in the social media era and uh, with someone who had been in our lives for so long, you know, a 20 year career, uh, plus uh, after he retired, as you said, Rich, like I, I mean, I wrote something earlier this week that was just kind of reflecting on participating in and attending his, not really participating at all, um, attending his final game and just what that was like for me thinking back on it and how powerful and how memorable it was. And whenever anyone asks me about what the most, you know, memorable game is I've ever covered, it's always that game. That's what I've said ever since that night. So to think about it in a different context and uh, I mean, I just, I, you know, trying to write about him and analyzing his career, everyone can do that. He's a great player and everyone can analyze and discuss the uh, shortcomings that he had off the court for sure. And that is a factor here as well and definitely a part of his legacy. But uh, I, I personally appreciated everyone telling their own personal stories just because I think this is such a unique circumstance. Yeah, I feel you. No, and I'll say two things before we, we move on. Uh, well, one thing, really. But I'm glad you, ma- you mentioned the off-court stuff because we, we should mention it, right? Um, and and we can't really speak to, you know, for what happened in Colorado, like we, we, like we don't know where, where, where she's at now. We don't know what kind of pain she could live with to this day. So we don't want to speak too much in terms of, like, forgiving him for anything that happened. Only thing that I can say is that, like, he did seem to evolve, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he couldn't erase what happened. He did seem to live a better life. We, and none of us knew Kobe that well anyways. But at least on the outside, at least when you see the way he was with his daughters, he seemed to evolve. He seemed to do his best to be a better man after that. And uh, a lot of people don't. A lot of people in his situation with his sort of power, with his sort of fame, uh, just dig deeper. Or, you know, uh, But he, he went outward and, and, and seemed to get better. And uh, I think we can all respect that. Um, yep. Well said. All right. So I'm going to really uh, awkwardly transition into an ad read, and then we can, um, <laughs> and then we can move on to the All Stars. So the uh, the Super Bowl is coming up, guys, and uh, less well, it's less than a week, days away from the big game. You can get in a ton of wagering action at BetOnline.ag. There are, of course, a lot of prop bets, like how long will the national anthem go? Will there be a wardrobe malfunction? I think that's what everyone. Uh, Shakira or, or J Lo? Who, who's it going to be? J-Lo. Got to be J-Lo. Got to be J-Lo. I think I might go Shakira. Anyways, how many yards will Patrick Mahomes throw for? Uh, There are literally hundreds of prop bets to to bet on uh, before the game even starts. So head over to betonline.ag and use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and get in on everything about the big game. Bring home the playoffs with our exclusive sportsbook partner, betonline.ag. Um... And yeah, so it, it, it's funny. Like it's funny how 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 much and I we mentioned this earlier. How much we still talked about Kobe because I'm gonna tra- we're gonna transition to Jason Tatum making his first All Star game and like even the last year or two of, of Tatum talk. There's been Kobe mentions. You know, there there were the workouts two years ago. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I, there, there's no question. I think Kobe would be incredibly proud of uh, of Tatum making it. And and I guess we should touch on a little bit of the the Tatum versus Jalen. Uh, debate it's not much of a debate for me I mean it's a debate that maybe Jalen could deserve a spot on that team but if it's Tatum or Brown it's a it's a pretty easy one for me 
Yeah, I agree. Um, B Rob, you were at the game last night, right? Shortly, uh, I mean, I guess you were at this the the TD Garden when the teams were announced. Just like, what was the reaction at all? Did any of the players speak on it? And do Jalen and Tatum hate each other now? <laughs> <laughs> uh yes, they are completely at odds. Um, it we didn't, you know, it was obviously announced even. I think Shams was first to announce it before the locker room opened. We didn't get to talk to Tatum before the game. Um, but Jalen, you know, took it very much in stride after the game, was was happy. And I actually have a quote here I can pull up in terms of what his exact reaction was. And he said, you know, I'm not disappointed about not making the All-Star game. I think a lot of guys that they have to choose from, a lot of guys having a good year, it is what it is. Just start gearing up your mind, getting ready for the playoffs and stuff like that, building good habits. So, sure, he was um, – and Gordon Hayward actually took off after the game without speaking to the media, which <laughs> what? I don't think – I mean, it has happened before. I don't think it's really – I mean, it might just be a situation I mean, like, I want Tatum to get the limelight tonight, and I don't want to, yeah. like, have to answer, you know, are you – not that he was in the all-star conversation due to his injuries, but, like, who knows? That 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 probably wasn't related at all. But everyone who was there – He maybe wanted to check out the impeachment coverage. I'm <laughs> – he was excited about Lamar Alexander's uh, tweet. Um, but it's a situation where, yeah, like Smart, Stevens, everyone was just like, we have guys at all-star levels. That's the important thing. You know, the all-star, the decisions, the picks are the picks. And that's that. So I don't think from a arena-wide perspective – I think Tatum is, was clear-cut. Anyone who watches this team on a night-in-night-out basis, if you have to choose one, I think Tatum's the guy rich, and that's kind of how it unfolded. Yeah, and, and Jalen's going to – I think Jalen's going to get there now. Yeah. You know, this is – sometimes you need you need a season like this to wake everyone up and be in the conversation. And then next year when it's happening, it's like, oh, this is the second straight year we're considering Jalen Brown. Like, this guy deserves it. What about the snubs? I mean, Bradley Beal is obviously the big one, just on a pure numbers – uh, basis, but Pina, do you have a, a, a much of a problem with him not making it? Jalen not making it? No, uh, Bradley Beal. Uh, I initially had Beal on my the first time I did this exercise, like about a month ago. I had Beal on the team, and then I a couple weeks back I replaced him with uh, Kyle Lowry. And so, I mean, I look at the team, and it's like. You've got Bam, you've got Jimmy. I thought those guys were borderline locks. Jimmy was definitely a lock. He should have been a starter. Uh, Lowry, I feel like the Raptors deserve two, and he's been excellent this season. Chris Middleton, the Bucks, the Bucks just had to have two people. I'm sorry, like, I, and and Middleton is like 50, 40, 90 basically this year. So I felt like he was an All Star. Uh, Domas Sabonis, like having an incredible season and a winning situation. Uh, ben Simmons, uh, clear-cut all-star, and either Tatum or Brown or whoever you want, the Celtics should have had two, and both those guys are winning players. So I like I don't really – I guess like the one person who people uh, have pointed to as the, the guy that Beal should have made it over is Trey Young, who was voted in, and they're kind of using it as like a popularity contest. But like Trey Young has been a better – he's just had a better year than – than Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal shooting like 32% from the three-point line. Like, I don't... And his team is terrible. Like, I, it, and he ranks as one of the worst defenders in the NBA. I think he's either th- dead last or second to last or 
whatever in real plus defensive real plus minus. So like, I mean, you can't make it every year. I'm sorry. And I'm sure this is going to be a problem for him heading into the summer when he obviously is going to demand a trade because of the situation. Uh, I'm being slightly facetious, but like, I don't I don't really have a problem with him not making it. The Wizards have been a garbage fire and everyone who did make it is more than deserving. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you on that for the East. It's like Beal like the, on top of it like the Wizards play a very quick pace anyway and they don't play any defense. So putting up 28 points a game is something I feel like a lot of people could do in his role like in terms of all-star consideration so not a yeah, like mark bartlestein i mean sure I, I mean respect that i mean it's almost we'll get to james jones statement in a second but like i i have never seen so much outrage before for like you know all-star snubs from guys that are playing for teams that are be lucky to win 30 games this year um but it's funny there is no other snub i feel like in the east i mean brown probably the next best case next to beal I like Brogdon a lot, but he's been hurt a bit, which I think factors in. And then people bringing up Zach Levine as a snub is hilarious to me. Um, so, yeah, like it's – the coaches did a, a good job here. I, I honestly think – I mean, we'll talk about the West. And I think, you know, the real snub is probably Devin Booker mm-hmm. in terms of just like fear factor for a guy, um, at least when he came – at least when he plays the Celtics anyway. Like that's yeah, but- a guy that you have to game plan for. <laughs> If they ever have another All Star game in Boston, which I think it's fifty plus years now, but if it ever if it ever happens again, uh, he should definitely get that call. Him and Middleton will will score sixty points apiece. Right? Yeah. So when you say uh, Westbrook, or I'm sorry, wow, that was a <laughs> yeah, slip. I, I didn't say that yet, but I would. Yeah, say that. I was Westbrook about to say is... if you, if you say Booker should be an All Star, who does he get it over? And I think I just answered my own question. You just answered the question. Yeah. So I guess that's just a reputation vote by the coaches for Westbrook. I would assume, like. His counting stats are absurd, but and the Rockets are like really good, and I don't know, like, but he's one of the worst three point shooters in the league. He's not efficient. The team's offense is so much better when he's on the bench. Um, I mean, he is what he is on defense. So I kind of felt felt like in the back of my head that. Uh, the coaches were going to vote in either Westbrook or DeMar DeRozan and people would be outraged just because that happens every year. And, but it's just, it's, it's a real bummer that Booker didn't make it. Like, I'm really happy that Brandon Ingram made it. I was not expecting him to, even though he's had an all-star caliber season. Uh, I was a little surprised at Chris Paul. I got to be honest. Um, But yeah, I mean, Booker has been, barbecuing the entire league like over the past month like he's one of the best offensive players going so yeah he he was snubbed for sure and let's say also we got about two weeks before the actual game like who knows if like if luca is gonna be healthy enough there there, there are gonna be a few spots open up yeah i think you would think so and it's a situation as well when you i mean i they never released I would love to see the like the vote totals from the coaches on this, like how close it was, and tr- and I don't think they'll ever release that because they probably don't want to. The coaches don't want that kind of scrutiny, um, on top of everything else they're doing with. But it would be fascinating to see, or with a video coordinator for these teams, whoever they you know assign to actually do these votes uh, for the coaches themselves. But 
it would be fascinating to see just the you know the hierarchy of these guys and who you know it'd be funny if you know Beal got all worked up about this and he actually was like the the fourth guy out or the fifth guy out or something like that yeah right. are you guys were you guys surprised at all by uh Paul George not making it and Carl Anthony Towns not making it. Those are the other two kind of big names that have pedigree and they didn't make it for various reasons, but did either of those snubs surprise you? Mm, not when you look at this, the competition. Like, George was out for, what, a good month to start the year? I mean, he's only played 27 games, so that that's not surprising at all. He, you know, Hayward's played more games than him. Yeah. So that's that. Towns, Towns missed a ton of time, too, and they have been god-awful for two months. So... It, you look at his numbers, and you're like, oh, I mean, he should be an all-star, but then it's like, oh, he's played 30 games. And, like, again, when it seems like durability was used as a tiebreaker here, which kind of makes sense. It's good to see. Good to see Rudy. I can't believe this was Rudy's first all-star game. It's wild. How many uh, defensive player of the year? Does he have one or two? Two. Two, two defensive row. player of the year before <laughs> his first all-star game. That's unbelievable. Those probably. slow stars for the Jazz are, have been killer yeah, for his all-star he, appearances. He's, uh, I would say he's probably going to get three in a row. I don't know. Do, I can't really think of any other. Maybe Ben Simmons' momentum. But, AD or, was oh, good. AD, some, yeah. Some love. That's, that's a good call. AD, maybe Giannis. Um, Marcus Smart. Sure. Chris Dunn. Um, I... Uh, B-Rob, I know you wanted to talk about, real quick, as we were just mentioning Towns, uh, the uh, disgraceful collapse that they had <laughs> earlier this week against the Sacramento Kings. Uh, for those who don't know, the Timberwolves were leading by 17 points, I believe, with about 245 left in the game, and then they ended up losing in overtime. Just, uh, I don't really know how much we're going to talk about this, but, like... It was pretty horrendous as far as losses go in the NBA. Yeah, I just I just think that it needed to be brought up because that's I think I saw some kind of a graphic about like teams being like eight thousand and oh in that situation um, <laughs> like over time. And I mean, I don't know, like the Wolves, like there are some just to bring it back, big picture with them, you know, Towns, and I mean they're. You thought they were in a terrible spot before the season started, and then they came out strong, um, and their Wiggins looked better, and there was, you know, whoa, they're going to be fighting for a playoff spot maybe. And now they're back towards the, I think they're the second-worst team in the West now by a, by a comfortable margin here. So, um, I don't know. It's not a, a collapse like that doesn't do much for, uh, you know, Robert Covington's available, but if you're associated with a collapse like that, I'm not sure the Celtics should invest. Uh, I was actually about to tie this into the Celtics uh, with Covington, who mm-hmm. is apparently getting shopped. Uh, which... He's got to be. They should shop everyone in this team right now. <clears throat> Short of Towns. Maybe, yeah. Um, Towns should be the first guy they shop. Whoa. What a hot take. Yeah. Um, okay, let me let me get this question off first before you start setting the microphones on fire um (laughs) the timberwolves call they offer rob covington for marcus smart straight up what are the celtics click yeah (laughs) vomit into the phone um okay I, i i think i would have a dialogue about it i don't know i don't think i would do it but i would have a dialogue maybe go back and forth no okay so here's the case rob covington 
I feel like, uh, you know, he's someone who is a better off-ball offensive player, which is important on a team that has Tatum, Jalen, Kemba, Gordon Hayward. Uh, I think he can, you know, defensively, you can argue, honestly, with in different aspects of defense, who's better against certain matchups. Covington's a larger defender, longer arms, and has made, he has his own all-defensive team pedigree, and he's played really well on that end this year, even though the Timberwolves have been a terrible defense. Um, and he's just kind of like a spot three-point shooter. He'll take you off the bounce, and he can finish at the basket. He's a really good cutter. So smart. I mean, it the 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 argument against keeping him is just that he's just a little bit redundant with what they have. Am I, am I making any sense? Am I selling either of you on the possibility of this conversation being entertained? No, I just not, just not from, <laughs> not from Marcus. I, I just think he means too much to this team. You know, I bring him up because of salary reasons. Yeah. Yeah. No, like it makes yeah. sense. That's the only guy. I mean, unless you want to like talk a bigger deal of like Gordon or something like that, but, um, and he only makes 12 million. And I know that that's just enough to make it more complicated, but like, you know, it's not a big money guy. Well, you could send, I mean, this is the, like, the interesting, I mean, Danny Ainge is dealing with a bunch of different interesting variables here at the trade deadline, not just for the present, but also trying to, you know, manage future payroll here, knowing that, you know, Gordon is playing at a level where opting out for him is starting to look more and more realistic. Um, you think so? And, uh, if you looked, I mean, he's the, when you look at just the lack of top tier free agents in 2020, um, and the, a few teams with a lot of cap space, like, yeah, but those it, teams suck. We've talked about this. I mean, know? Memphis like, could, Memphis could use a wing. Mm. Mm-hmm. They got two all stars in the making. They got a nice big opening on the wing and a lot of money to throw around. Like, I don't know. I mean, maybe they think like we shouldn't invest in a thirty year old guy, which makes a lot of sense. But uh, the alternatives might not be out there. That's so. so that would be a really, uh, I don't know. If you give Gordon Hayward a four year max or whatever it, it is that they would have to give him, like. That's tough with uh, splitting those timelines there. I don't know if uh, I would do that if I was Memphis, but um, yeah, I see see your point. So, So, like, it's they have to start preparing. It's like the Al Horford situation. They have to start preparing for the scenario. Yeah, that went well. Um, So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the good news is there is no like. I mean, that's the only good team that could have cap space, and I use good in in air quotes. But Memphis, obviously, they're at five hundred now, so Knicks, uh, they're trending that way. Knicks, Cavs. Hawks. Cavs could use a wing too, but Cavs yeah. could use a wing too. I don't okay. think, but I don't think Hayward's going down that road. Um, I asked him about it this week on Boston Sports Journal, um, just about the future, and he played it very close to the vest in terms of just being like, "I'm," which he should, which is like the savvy thing to do for him. Um, but yeah, so I feel very bad for Jay Crowder if the Celtics go to Memphis and Gordon gets a standing ovation. <laughs> <laughs> What did you guys think about Jay Crowder taking that shot? Oh, good. Two former Celtics involved here. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like, relax, Alfred Payton. Like, <laughs> it's 50 seconds left in the game. You suck. Your team sucks. And 
not the classiest move by <laughs> Jake, but this, like I have not heard this take yet, so keep going. I like it. No, it's just like go like it's it's not if it was under thirty seconds in the game, like okay, but like it's not. It's a minute left. Like what you know, it's get over yourself. <laughs> Um, I thought he should not have taken that shot. I gotta say, I, like, yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't have taken the shot if I was him, but like, it it was not deserving of any kind of like on court retaliation. It's you got to put yourself in the shoes of someone who's been playing for the New York Knicks this season. It's been, it's been a long year. Um, yeah, I guess I can see what you're saying. I I thought the shot was pretty disrespectful, and uh, Marcus Morris's comments afterwards were uh, pretty terrible as well. Um, I wonder how that would have happened if he made that made those comments with the Celtics. If the Celtics would have handled it differently, I feel like the they, Knicks, I feel the like Knicks they put would've. out a statement. Yeah, oh, they did they? He, and he tweeted an apology real quick. That oh, night. he did. What he said? What did he say? I'm not following Mook like, these days. Uh, I'll pull it up for you. Hold he used the word uh, "upmost" instead of "utmost" to say his uh, describe his respect for women, which was interesting. I think you should. I, t- I think you should tell him that he made that mistake next time you're in. Uh, you're at MSG. Sure, yeah. yeah. By the uh, way, Marcus, will, just to revoke my credential on the spot. Um, quick note on your apology. <laughs> uh, uh, real quick, uh, you know, we were just talking about Gordon Hayward. Um, did you guys see that story about from Kobe's last game? Uh, when Kobe was at the free throw line trying to score his 60th point, yeah. Rico said that uh, Gordon intentionally stepped in for a lane violation. So if Kobe missed the free throw, he would have got another shot. Did you guys catch that? I'm sure, B-Rob, you did because Gordon oh, yeah. responded. Yep. Yeah, uh, well, it's, I'm glad that he did because when I was watching it in real time, I was like, wow, that was... How did Gordon think to do that? Like he had like two seconds to 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 react and step in in, that, in, in a moment like that. So I mean, and I I give res- Gordon respect for re- re- coming out and, and debunking it the same way as the the Matt Barnes uh, flinch. But uh, yeah, it was in, it was interesting for sure. It's funny how stories like that can 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 take on life. Yeah, I don't think he did that on purpose. I, I like I have no idea where Mike Tirico got that. Um... But, it, but it, it sort of was a very obvious step over. You know what I mean? Maybe it was like he was he was just assuming it wasn't going to matter. Or maybe he maybe he yeah, was trying I feel like to get guys Kobe to, do that a lot sometimes, and it just never gets called. Like, know what the truth is? He was trying to get Kobe to miss. That's what I thought. Over. Yeah, right, I, saw, right. well, I rewatched the game, and I, this was before I saw the story. I was like, "Oh, that's an interesting step in by Gordon." Um, that was a lane violation. So it's the opposite of what Tariko was saying. He was actually the, the, <laughs> the, the villain. The villain in this Kobe tragedy is Gordon. Yeah. Hayward. Also, like from my recollection, no one on the Jazz, like people on the Jazz, weren't like pumped about this. You're on the wrong side of history, and uh, like you'll be remembered forever in the worst possible way. And also, I'm pretty sure that they were trying to. They had like an outside chance of making the playoffs too. Like it was. That was not like a. They were not trying to just like celebrate Kobe that night. No, I remember coming home and watching that the end of that game after a Celtics game that night, and it was the the effort level. Hayward was guarding Kobe most of the night, and he was like he was right there for a lot of those shots. So like he was bringing it clearly. Yeah, yes, uh, no, exactly. And so I mean, again, it just kind of speaks to how crazy a performance that was by Kobe, but also like you know, it is the lore of 
you know, that story from Tariko and just clearly, you know, people wanting to feed a narrative even more when, you know, obviously it might not, it clearly wasn't the case. Yeah, I would have totally owned it if I was Gordon, but that's just me. <laughs> Which says it would have just taken the credit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah that's what I meant to do. That's, that's, just yeah. the kind of guy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, random question, going back to trade stuff for a second, or a uh, guy like Covington. So Smart's not, you know, on a table, even though it makes sense to bring him up. Kabert's not on the table for here. The, the alternative scenario to get someone like that would be trading Cantor to make the money work and, you know, a pick or something like that. And then finding a replacement backup center on the buyout market or just in a separate deal. Um, Cantor has been out the last few games here. I don't think he's going to be out for a while longer. He was practicing on Thursday and could barely move when he was taking shots. So, I wouldn't see. I'd be shocked if we see him on Saturday night, or even for much more than a week or two. Um, but defensively, or just options-wise, knowing what Cantor's limitations are, are you are you guys looking to move him at all in any scenario, or do you feel like you still need him against Embiid no matter what? Probably, so it just makes sense to hold on to him. Uh, I don't. I my stance on this hasn't really changed that much. Like I'm fine with Cantor on the team. I think he's exceeded his value um, monetarily, and he's played really well. And if he's hurt as well, like I don't know who. I know his contract is his contract, but like I don't know who would be like pumped about taking him on. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I it would have to just be a, a no brainer type of deal. Um, that would undeniably upgrade the team and bring them closer to a championship. And also, you got to sell me on who the other big man is you're bringing on on that other deal and how that's going down. So it just doesn't seem like it's worth the trouble, personally. But I obviously don't know all of the alternatives and options that are uh, the Celtics are potentially going to be able to look at. So yeah, and I still think I still think he can he can be a factor against Philly. And just offensively, the rebounding, and, and and you mentioned the price, Mike. I think we forget about that. Some what is six million in the six million range? Five million, yeah, for Cantor. Yeah, so I yeah, mean, he's making five mil. That's such a bargain. You're not going to find that from anywhere else at that price. I don't think. At least someone. What if uh, you can trade for a second round pick for Alex Len as a eighty? Per- I know, I know. He's. I'm not saying he's good. I'm just saying like. To give you what Cantor would give you from a a little better on a defensive point standpoint, worse offensively, clearly. I know Alex Lenz, he's stunk for a few years now, right? I mean, he, I know he he show he has flashes, but I don't know. I don't I don't know if if if, if you bring in Alex Lenz, all right, now this is a definite upgrade. I'm not sure how much. No, it's even... not. It's not an upgrade. It's just a like you're getting a better player by trading Cantor elsewhere, and then you're replacing Cantor in a separate deal with Len. Oh. Like it's just like kind of the filling that gap. I guess it depends on that player. I I just the way I feel is that like unless it's something that's gonna definitely very easily make you better for this year. I don't know where, where that exists. Is like are we talking Bertans? Like what 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 are the names? Like Covington, Covington. A player like that will be a Covington, a Bogdanovich, like someone of that mold that's a, gonna play twenty twenty five minutes in a playoff game. 
And then we get Whereas, Alex, then they get Alex Len. And you get Alex Len to probably to give you f- 15 minutes against Philly or more or even less against other teams. Yeah, I guess maybe I consider it, especially, you know, especially you're talking about the injury right now. If this is something that's maybe going to linger, you know, who knows. But um, I guess you t- if, if you get someone else that is that is much better than Cantor, can help you much more than Cantor, then maybe you, you, you roll the dice a little bit. But, you know, I don't know if that'll be a, a game changer in terms of like winning a title this year, even though someone like Covington's around for a couple of years at a, at a very affordable price. Yeah. Well, right. I think uh, as as is usual, we peter out on the can't should we trade Cantor <laughs> discussion. It's the last week for it. We're a week away. Can't wait. A, I th- I think it's important though. I think this is like I imagine they're because there's no other. They're not going to want to trade anyone else among their top five guys. So that's if you want to make a bigger splash, like Cantor's the guy you're going to move. I feel like so, and it's debatable again. Like he's great regular season player has been great for the production but like is he gonna play in any series more than a few minutes a game besides the sixers in the playoffs like i don't know we'll see so this is a little random but uh i want to go out on this stat that i i found the other day that maybe b rob you already knew or maybe some of our listeners already knew rich you definitely did not know it um (laughs) let's see (laughs) get i want you guys to to guess where the Celtics rank in point differential this season against teams when that whenever their opponent is ranked in the top ten in net rating. Oh, I was looking this up the other day. <laughs> What's net rating? <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. To ask again. So basically, uh, you know, how good have the Celtics been against the the best teams in the league when they when they play them? Compared to every other team, how they fare against the best teams in the league. Oh, where do they rank in, in the league? Yeah, what's their point differential? How many points are they outscoring the opponent or getting outscored by per 100 possessions? So, I think they rank third in the league in those scenarios. Oh, but that, that Lakers game is going to be such a skewing. Um, if it helps you, Rich, there have been 15 games that they've played against teams that have been in the top 10 in net rating. Uh, so, so what was your guess, Pirates? I guess third, and I feel like that's might be low. Yeah, I'm gonna guess the uh, 18th. <laughs> <laughs> they are second. Mm. Wow, second best. I knew it. Number one is the Milwaukee Bucks. The Celtics have the second best overall net rating, second best offense, and seventh best defense. So, little, I like to take little. that Lakers game out and see where they rank. I am not equipped to do that at the moment. No, no, I just like to. Yeah. Um, For next time, you you figure that out, and then B-Rob, you should ask, if they lose to the Sixers on Saturday, ask uh, Brad Stevens about his all-star votes. I think that's what he'll want to discuss. Mm. Yeah, I'm interested in that. Ask him that. I'm going to try to find out. I'll I'll sniff around on that one. Did you ask anyone around the team about our fantasy uh, No, they haven't had a practice yet. (laughs) So I'm actually I'm gonna go in early on Saturday and, and try to get some answers. Okay, good. We we gotta put up a poll too. Maybe we'll do that during the All Star break when there's downtime and people can be looking for something to talk. About. Ask ta- ask Taco about playing the three. See how, how comfortable <laughs> he'd be. But we want we want Taco chance last night when Taco was not at the garden was rough at the end of that game. I'll how did you that. not know? How would they not know he's there? I don't know. You'd, you'd think yeah. you can find. Maybe they literally wanted tacos. 
That's is that possible? No. Very possible. Anything, anything's possible. In LA, that would be very possible. Yeah, that's a great note to go out on. All right, we're gonna be back next week. Uh, definitely have a trade deadline reaction podcast and potentially for primer as well earlier in the week. In the meantime, uh, please go ahead and subscribe to Winning Plays Podcast. Uh, throw us a review, a five star review if you can on iTunes. Some nice new reviews for us on there, guys. Is I don't that know right? If you've read it lately, but uh, thanks for those. And if you haven't done one yet, please uh, give a take a few seconds throw it on there it, it helps us a ton and we'll take and, a four star if it comes down to it yeah four star you know yeah we'll take whatever and uh feedback is always welcome at winning plays pod on twitter and what's our do we have any we have an email right which it's like at we do plays. i haven't checked it in a long time i think it's right. winning plays pod at gmail.com <laughs> so give, if we haven't gotten back to you there then sorry yeah give it a whirl if it bounces back let us know it's <laughs> what <laughs> It's a great way to handle feedback, usually. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys uh, next week, and thanks for listening.